I really enjoy being introduced as from the Western Cape. I mean, from Cape Town, it's fantastic. There are more than 4 million people that live in Cape Town. And uh, we have nine partnering churches down there. We need another 20 within the next year or two. And uh, I'm dead serious about that. I mean, let me just go through some of the areas where I think there are dozens of people waiting to meet Jesus. Milkboss, Bloberg Strand. That's where all the kite surfers hang out. Stellenbosch University needs a partnering church. Wellington. Uh, Hart Bay. What about the richer suburbs of Camps Bay, down that sort of area? There's 7 million people in the Western Cape. And uh, I've learned a new word since I've been down there. It's called a semigration. I didn't know that such a thing existed. We've heard of immigration, people leaving. But the guys on the Western Cape, when they see all the guys coming down from Gauteng and Free State, they call it semigration. And there literally are thousands every month moving into Cape Town. And uh, I, I really want to urge you, when you hear of people going there, hook them up with the, those nine partnering churches that are there. And if there's anybody sitting here who's wondering, is God calling me to Cape Town? I can confirm it, yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, we'll get behind you, we'll back you. Uh, been, let, let me tell you one story of how the church in Langabon was started. A businessman sold his business in KZN, and he saw a gap in the coffee market. So he went down and he opened a business called Vescus Coffee. He's an Englishman, and he calls his business Vescus Coffee. And anyway, when, when we went down to the Cape about a year ago, uh, it was August, and I said to my wife, well, why don't we go and see the flowers? We've never seen the flowers. It was a Monday. And so we hopped in the car, and as we're going to Langabon, I said, you know what, that, that guy, Greg, he used to run a good home group. He's there in Langabon somewhere. Let's look him up. So we found Vescus Coffee, but he wasn't there. While we were in the coffee shop, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, I recognize you. I said, not likely. <laughs> I come from around here. She says, no, man, I've seen you on online church. I said, oh, so you're a Christian? She says, yeah, I got saved right there in that chair. I said, in that chair? She said, yes, now the guy led me to the Lord. And then he said, there wasn't really a church that he would recommend, so just have a look at this online. Now, I'm not kidding you. We went to our car. My wife and I went to the car. There are only three GPs in Langabon that I know of. One of them was walking by. Same story. So, I mean, like, this guy's had this coffee shop, and he's been busy leading people to the Lord, and he, he hasn't really had confidence to send them to a church. So we phoned him as we were driving out and said, like, yeah, what are you doing? He says, no, no, I'm leading people to the Lord. So he so, and why don't you take them to church with you? Because I knew he was in a church. He said, no, look, I'm, I'm scared of them coming to my church. I said, why? Because he says, it's really weird. I said, it can't be weird if you're going. He says, no, the guy in this church believes that someone's got to be delivered every service. And so he looks for somebody. <laughs> and he says, I've got to stand behind a pillar now because I don't want him to pick me. I haven't, I haven't been delivered yet. But he's de I'm not sending people there that I have led to the Lord. I'm driving out of Langabon. This is the exact same day. I'm driving out of Langabon. I'm, I'm just about at the engine garage. And Mark Bailey phones me from Klaxdorp. So I said, hello, Marcus. So he, so he says, Krufi, are you down in Cape Town now? I said, yes. 
He said, please tell me you're planting a church in Langabon. I asked my wife, I, I nearly left the road. And then I thought, hey, he's got GPS, he's monitoring, find my friends or whatever. And so he says, I said, why? He, he says, because we're sending four couples, three of them are in leadership, to Langabon at the end of the year. Well, I tell you what, I quickly phoned my mate again, this guy who has the coffee shop. I said, how many people live in Langabon? So he says, 10,000. But in holiday time, put a naught on that. So I said, do you think we should plant a church there? So he went very, very quiet because I think he thought he'd be implicated. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, no, you know, it's a good idea. But we didn't hear from him for two months. Then we had an equip down there. Our jockey was there and uh, Marcus was there. And next minute, this guy walks in from Langabon. And I don't know what these guys said, but something happened during that equip. And so he came to us afterwards a little bit cheaper. He says, I think maybe we should start something in Langabon. So I said, well, do you know these people you've been leading to the Lord? Just invite them to your house, start a home group. First meeting, 20 people pitch up. Uh, since then, more than double that. God can do it anywhere. can do it anywhere. And uh, I, I really uh, feel that in the, in the Western Cape, uh, we're going to see dozens in the next uh, couple of months. Say yes when the Lord says, maybe. Say yes. So uh, there's, there's some amazing churches there out of those nine that partner with us. Uh, we've got the Afrikaans church that Volder leads uh, on a wine estate. In fact, we've got two in wine estates down there. Uh, very interesting, yeah. And, uh, and then just recently in, um, in an informal settlement, we've, we've just ordained a couple of guys. In the middle of COVID, we were asked to go in there. This Malawian guy, Messiah, is leading it. Uh, in the middle of COVID, I mean, lockdown, goodness knows what, into a classroom. There must have been 150 to 200 people in there. And because of a special occasion, they draped it with white draping so that it was watertight, airtight, everything. I went home, you know, swallowed half a bottle of ivermectin and, you know, asked my, my, my wife to pray for me. But there's, out of all our regions, I think it's, it's one of the most densely populated areas with the least number of churches. Winton and Ingrid. Would you guys mind standing? This is Winton Ingrid. How long have you been in the ministry, Winton? Like three decades. Since? Since you met him. Well, they've turned 70 recently. They, uh, they led the English church in Paul, next door to the Afrikaans church that Valda and crew lead. And uh, have just come into a new season, handed the folk over into different churches. And while Cape Town was a splattering of people, these guys soldiered on day after day. Can we applaud them and just, well done guys. Isn't it thrilling to see them in a relating elders time? They've handed over a baton and here they are. Go for it guys. Bless you man. Bless you. Well, the Western Cape, uh, just the beginnings of a new wave of God. That's what I can say. 
Thanks, guys. Basson, Basson, Basson. Thank you, Basson. Basson is actually Western Cape, but he's going to report on the Eastern Cape. Yeah, um, are some of the, the guys in our region, we basically the, uh, the garden route to send, send me some stuff uh, as to what's happening. And um, one of the guys uh, just said, there's some wonderful things happening in our, in our part of the vineyard. So uh, maybe we are the third, third church in, uh, in the wine regions, but uh, not quite. So churches from, uh, we, I'm going to quickly give feedback from the, the churches ranging from East London down to where we are in George, mostly on the coast, but slightly inward as well. So we really felt that 2020 would usher in a season of release. We felt that God said that, and others have confirmed that. And so it was indeed a great season of release for the Eastern Cape. We have new families, salvations, baptisms, great momentum. And a lot of strategic partnerships. Can, can Keith and, and Glenn please come up? Um, strategic partnerships with schools, with business, with local government. And in this time, there were a number of very significant transitions that took place. The one was from our friends Brendan Tash, Locke, and they transitioned to Glenn and Corin Weiss. And so he's quickly going to share about that. Thank you. Sure. I just want to say quickly, after yesterday's feedback and today, I think we should start a new channel called GCC, Gospel Comedy Central. So many of the guys, are, but look, church should be fun. And that's one thing. Karen and I, we have had the, the blessing and the opportunity to take over. So he's mentioned Brendan Locke. Um, Brendan was the swimming Brendan. I introduced myself as the new Brendan, the running Brendan. But um, so we got the privilege to lead an incredible church called Joy to the Nations. But we agreed in 2019 already the 15th of March was a Sunday, and I know that because on the 15th of March in the morning at Storehouse, where we came from and served under Richard for 20 years, 10 of them full-time, it was announced to Storehouse and a joy to the nation simultaneously that we would be moving across on the 1st of May. That evening, Cyril, the guy that were many phoned, said, we're having a state of emergency. And we were locked out in the passage between Storehouse and Joy to the Nations for the next six to eight months. Eventually, much later, we got to continue with the transition. So we can call it a transition plant, possibly. We didn't know what to expect. And, uh, you know, maybe people say, what, what good can come from the Eastern Cape? We've got a country bumpkin who's now in, uh, in Cape Town, loves to refer to us in the Eastern Cape as that. I think what good comes from the Eastern Cape is also Springbuck rugby coach in every big province, is every youngster has grown up in the border of the Eastern Cape. But I could tell stories all day of how good God has been in the season that we've had to lead a joy to the nations. And I think the greatest compliment to boast in the Lord is that every visitor that comes to us, and we've had many of them, have said we sense the presence of God in this place. And they are being transformed, and we've seen change. One of the things, if you don't know Joy to the Nations, it's a very diverse church um, covering many, many different nations and different race groups and so forth. The beautiful picture. I think God loves that church more than most. Just biased. 
But um, so we, we, a lot of our ministry is practical. We've started something called the Jesu Club, which is the Joy Employment and Skills Upliftment Club. We are doing farming God's way. We're doing whatever it takes for people in our read, in our around us to see that we care about them. And when people see that you care about them, they start to come and listen to the gospel, and their lives get transformed. So it's just you know story upon story that we could tell of God's goodness. But I wanted to come on the first during team time already and say and give testimony of the transition. But Dolly started sharing that incredible testimony, and I thought, I can't speak after that. But Richard Preston from Storehouse, Nick von Rensburg from Bay City, it became like a joint venture. The, this team and the way that things operated for it to be possible for us, it looked impossible at some point. And we said yes in faith, and we've been supported by these churches, and it's just incredible. So I'll end with this to say, Joy to the Nations, open, it's one of those churches that operates with a limited budget, I think, as somebody said. In fact, most of the time, zero budget. But I want to say we haven't stopped doing what God's called us to do every day since we've been there. And God has kept us and sustained us. Two short testimonies to finish. The one happened today. I got a, a voice note while we were here from a guy who I used to run against on the athletics track in 32 years ago. He was in Stutteram. I was in King Williamstown. You talk about country bumpkins. Don't know how he got hold of me, tracked me down. He said, I think I can trust you. I want to give you half a ton of citrus every week going forward because I work for a packaging company that does citrus, export citrus, Nochal, and I think I can trust you to distribute it to, to the people around you. The citrus industry around us is burning at the moment in Kirkwood and Addo, and in that week, that's the sort of message. And that's how God seems to provide for us, just in practical ways. My one prayer has been to God, Lord, we need to transport a lot of our people. They haven't got vehicles. They can't get to night meetings. They can't get to this. We need a bus. I saw this beautiful yellow bus with joy all over it. We haven't received the bus. But you know how God answered our prayer? <laughs> Not yet. Who's got a bus parked somewhere? Derek Chester Brown. Derek Chester Brown? We'll chat later. <laughs> Derek, you're going to lead our channel on GCC. But you know how God's answered that prayer? I think at least six or seven of our guys have got driver's licenses and been able to buy cars since we've been there in the last year or so. You don't know what it means to a guy in the township to get a driver's license and to then get a car and a whole group of people all of a sudden have a lift to church and lift to things and start things changing. God is good. We're loving the journey. One of the other great handovers was from my friend uh, Brian and Trish Elliott to son Keith and Annika Elliott in George. Are there, everybody? A successful transition. I think there were two things that I would uh, share as a testimony. First is God in responding to the call and the training and preparation that goes into that. I think as you go forward, I mean, Tyron was sharing it, and it's true, that um, you can't be carried on the prayers and the prophetic words of others when you want to pick up this. You have to settle it in God and then he will sustain you and carry you. And the preparation, I have to honor Brian, my father, who led before, that he led on his life to the king, and I was the beneficiary of that. Peter Hyde Brian, he pulled me out of George at an early age when, if you were talking about segregation, and George has got 30 families a month moving down now. But I was there when nobody wanted to go there. It was the airport to get you to Nazna. And so seeing this call, settling it in God, that also having people train you. Greg Garrett, I never wanted to lead a church. And we met, thank you to Richard, you arranged that meeting by having him down, Basson, to speak to Grant Crawford. You know, in that transition between the two of us, it was looking to see what that's supposed to look like. God had given me a picture of what that's supposed to look like. Having my father on that team, 
And so there's two things that I'd share with that just in testimony is Brian got the challenge from God. He said, can you submit to what you've raised? And so if you're wondering if the guy that's going to lead after you is good enough, can you submit to the one that you've raised? And that put a challenge on me because sitting with Grant, he was saying that in the preparation of Ray Oliver handing over to him, he said it was successful for the church and for you. But I felt like I was nowhere. And so there was this burden on my heart to say that one day you're going to lead your dad. Start working now. So just before COVID, we started to do preparation. And he felt in the season, just before we had our Eastern Cape, Taman has invited to hug her. And he said, I feel like the time is now. So when Cyril said, we're closing, he said, you're up. <laughs> there was, you know, the confidence because of the preparation through the people, through New Covenants. It was beautiful, and God had affirmed the call. So here we go. A year later, encouragement, energy, lots of challenges. Derek, it wasn't easy, but God is good. Amen. That's basically it. It's a, it's a great season. It's a season of favor, of release in the kingdom. Uh, there's wonderful unity in the area, in the region. That is beautiful amongst the churches. And just to finish off, it is a great privilege and a blessing to operate in that area with the, the partnership of this team. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep, we'll, we'll end it with that. It is it, this, this season that we've just been through and are going through. This team has made it a, a blessing and, um, and an adventure that uh, we can just stand here and smile and say the king is on the throne. Brilliant. Thank you, Basson. <clears throat> We're going to Mpumalanga. Alan Parfit, please. Thank you. This is one of the hidden gems of our family, hey? Thank you. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, it's my joy. We've been on leave. I can report about the work of others. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to coordinate the feedback from the area generally known as the Lowfelt and just go through some areas in also Mozambique and Swaziland. So I'll start off just um, what happened during lockdown, uh, just a testimony of the faithfulness of God over many years. Um, I know many of you are involved with orphan care, and so a number of years ago, we started an orphan care uh, body within our, within our church, and at the heart of that, we felt if we are going to care for orphans, we've got we've to have a dream for them to not just be fed and cared for in the physical, but also to create an opportunity through care for them to actually see Christ presented and also to see them nurtured and hopefully through orphan care to plant churches. So the goal with that uh, group, which is called Sonani, was actually to plant churches. And for many years we've been working through care centers, uh, feeding up to like a thousand orphans a day. But through that, the dream was that we would be able to, through that, to plant churches. And that happened, so it's like a dream come true after many years last year in that we, we planted a, a church at one of the care centers. And just some of the stories of that is that the team that had been going into this area called Oakley, it's very close to the Kruger Gate of the Kruger National Park. The guys have been going in there for many years, door to door, reaching children, seeing them come to the care centers and seeing them develop. And there was a young, there was a young uh, boy there who lost his mom when he was four. His sister was 13. She, she 
brought him up, and he was coming to the care center. And uh, through the love of the team going in there, they said when they got to know him that uh, he was so afflicted by what he'd gone through, he could not look them in the eye. He had, he had no smile on his face, whatever. But through the work there, when we went to meet him, we met this young man, st stood up straight, smile on his face, as one of the potential leaders there. And uh, what's happened is that last year we planted a church there uh, in Oakley, uh, Henny and Rita came to do the official opening, and uh, I was preaching there last Sunday, and it was just a delight again to see this young man with such stature, God's touched his life. So we just want to celebrate that, and we're hoping to be able to duplicate that and then replicate that over and over, but actually through the, the love of caring for orphans to see churches being planted really is the dream. So we celebrate that, and... Um, also, it's like so many dreams coming true, even, even during the time of lockdown. But I remember preaching back in 1999, many years ago in Mozambique. And I remember preaching the number of different places and feeling so discouraged because the response on the surface was positive, but the depth just wasn't there. And eventually I got so discouraged that I said, you know, people are responding on the surface, but nothing's changing. And I just said... I said, Lord, I'm laboring in vain. And um, I remember I went back to my tent and I opened my Bible after one of these sessions and it opened on that scripture. It says, you say you're laboring in vain, but I say your reward is with me. And that was in 99. And years later, we've handed over the work in Mozambique to Louis Nell who's going to come up just now and tell us about that. But unbeknownst to me, at one of those sessions where I had got so discouraged was a man who's here today. He's been on team training. And uh, he's going to be coming on to a translocal team based in Mozambique. And uh, just to see so many years later, I thought this is not going anywhere. Yet others have come in, built, built, built. And now we've reached that place there. So what a great joy for that. And then just a couple of things before uh, one or two guys will quickly come up. Is that we had to do three leadership transitions last year. Uh, one in Hazyview, the town of Hazyview, where there's a church plant. There was a church plant just about just over three years ago. Uh, we need to do a leadership transition there, a leadership transition in White River, and a leadership transition in Nelspreit. And all of them was like a chain reaction. Whereas the uh, Rudolph who was leading White River needed to shift down to Nelspreit to take the leadership there, and so there were there were gaps that were created through that. And uh, I remember praying and saying, God, I've gone through every possibility I can think of to find a replacement leader in White River. And I'd phoned a friend to see if they maybe could help. And they said, sorry, they don't really know. And I put the phone down and I felt at that moment, something in my heart said, trust me. And it was within about 10, 15 minutes after that, Guy Feltman phoned me out of the blue, hadn't spoken to him for months and said, hey, Alan, I'm, I'm close by. Can I come and see you? And long story short, Guy Feltman is now, many of you know, are in White River. And uh, they're leading there. They transitioned in there. I'm hoping Guy will be able to quickly come up. I haven't prepped him. Just give us a rundown how things are in White River. So, and then as he's coming up, we had the same issue in Hazyview. And our GP in, in Elspreet, he was in Mongolia during lockdown. And he only planned to be there six weeks, and he ended up having to be there six months, I think it was. And in the time in Mongolia, helping in the church that Rob Forbes that time planted. 
God touched his heart and said, when you get back, offer to do anything, whatever the leadership asks you to do. So when he came back, I asked him to take over the leadership in Hazyview. So, uh, so our, our GP has moved to Hazyview. He's leading the church in Hazyview. Morris and Carla are on eldership with him there. But if you could please pray for them, their practice, they started, they, they took over a practice in Hazyview, has got... Uh, only a few weeks left before they have to leave their premises. They're desperate, and the property is a real problem in Hazyview. They're desperate for a premises in Hazyview. So uh, if you could pray for them. But that's some of the transitions. Guy, tell us a little bit about, about your transition to White River. And Lou, if you can come up and tell us about Hazyview, uh, about Mozambique, and Ian Whedon, come and tell us about Swaziland. Thanks, Helen. Hi, everybody. The best part of living in White River is that we're 35 k's from Kruger. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but, <laughs> but I've said it and it's true. No, it's not. It's awesome being there. Um, our family's thriving. The transition from Belito to there was, was miraculous. And uh, we're loving the journey. We're loving being part of CU. We found such wonderful friends in the area. And um, just a quick testimony, last Sunday night we had a worship evening and um, there was just a moment where God's presence, like, like today, was so strong and uh, folks were, went around and ministered to people and one guy just suddenly started talking in tongues. No, no one touched him, he just started talking in tongues and um, hadn't been coached on it. He went to someone afterwards and said, I'm, I'm not quite sure what that's all about. So I was able to, able to work that through with him. Our secretary got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then um, uh, one of our elders' wives felt, well, God's here. Let's see if anyone wants to get baptized. And so eight people responded to the, to the baptism, went up to our house. We stay in the manse <laughs> next door to the church. And uh, eight people got baptized in their jeans, you know, not prepared. It was just awesome. So we're having an absolute ray. Good afternoon, my name is Louis. We have the privilege to work into Mozambique. There are quite a number of teams working in Mozambique. We're just, just one of them. Our focus is mainly on, on the Shai Shai area. In Amban, we go right up to, to Beira and also dabbling a little bit in Maputo. But what happened just before lockdown? One of the, 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 the partnering pastors came to me and he said, Louis, I had a dream, but I don't want to share this dream with you. And this dream was is that we were traveling. It was a minibus in Mozambique. They call it the Shapa. And it was this whole, just full of Mozambicans and myself in this, in this minibus. And we were traveling. And then this bus just stopped. I, I jumped out and they continued. And, and Apollo, who had this dream, said to me, but he doesn't want to share this because he Maybe you're thinking in your heart you're going to quit us, leave us. And we didn't understand the dream. I said, no, God hasn't spoken to me. I'm still, in, still involved with Mozambique. And then COVID came. And the interpretation of that dream was that although the team from South Africa is, is out, stop, we're out, but the work must continue. And they continued. So I was sitting in South Africa and I was wondering, Lord, what is happening in the church in Mozambique? We're talking about financial problems. 
but we, ha we have internet banking where we can pay tithes into the bank. If they don't have a meeting, there's no tithes coming into the church. Our lockdown was quite long. Theirs was longer. Our restrictions were bad. Theirs was worse. Lord, I said, what are you doing in Mozambique? The, the testimony, the, the glory that I can give to God is it's only God. The church in Mozambique is stronger now than it was before COVID. This, this taxi has changed into a bus. Churches are, were planted. Leaders were raised up. The one thing that I think anyone who works into the nation, this is the goal that we're looking for, is to see Ephesians 4 giftings being raised up in the nations that we work. And when we went into, into Beira two months ago, there are Ephesians 4 giftings that rose up. Our, our key, key partner that we worked with, the man of peace, Adriano, that's also here on training, he, he left Beira to plant a church. So I was worried, what's going to happen in Beira? And when we got back, three of the, of the, of the pastors rose up together in team, actually operating apostolically, helping other churches. Incredible. This is the gold that, we, that we're looking for. And, and the mind went deep. There's gold that Satan tried to destroy the church in Mozambique. God made it flourish. Maybe just one last thing. If you have never been there, <laughs> let, me, let me not go there. After the 2000 floods, there was this cry from the Mozambicans. Their heart was so open for the gospel. COVID did even better than that. I've never seen that nation so open for the gospel than right now. We were ministering two months ago. I don't think there was a meeting where we were where an unsafe person walked out. I've never seen evangelism and hearts of people so open for the gospel than right now. So the nations are calling. Mozambique is calling. Decades ago, two men had it on their hearts to go into a new nation. And they met in the house of a man, an old man, by the name of Tlamini, was his surname, or his token name. And these two men uh, met with him, and they met with a guy called Caiaphas, who had a small little work there. And Dudley Daniel and Brendan O'Connell chatted to this guy, and uh, met with him, began to come back and back and back, and began to work into the nation. And it began to spread, and other guys have followed on since then, working into the nation, coming and, and building, encouraging, strengthening, challenging, training, equipping, working into that nation. And over the years, uh, Swaziland's been through a number of traumas. They've COVID really smacked them hard as well. It's also not a very rich nation e economically. And uh, you've got these little rural churches couldn't meet, same as Louis was talking about now with Mozambique. Uh, went through a tough time, and then, of course, they've been through a bit of political upheaval as well with riots, looting, and that sort of thing. But throughout all of that, here were these men and women, warriors of the faith, 
out in those rural areas pursuing the gospel, following up on people. And the work just continued to mature under that persecution. And as I say, over the many years, uh, people, uh, CU, Church Unlimited, Nelspruit, and others have worked in there. And always the dream was to go and to bless and to encourage and strengthen, but really to build. Um, anyway, I was going to digress a little bit. I was just talking about blessing, but, but just to continue to build. And over the years, the, the, the church has been strengthened. There's been a falling away in certain instances because of some of the pressures. But from that initial meeting in, in Mr. Dlamini's house, and I sat with him a few years ago before he died, and we reflected on the history when Dudley and Brendan O'Connell were in that little room, right near where the church is today, and uh, b- burst something in the hearts of those people. And now today, throughout, down in uh, Duzi, Sifafaneni, different places, you've got all of these different churches relating, partnering with us. But two years ago, 2019, when we had our last equip before the lockdown, uh, we'd been equipping and training, and uh, we'd raised up leaders there, uh, good, a good team of guys. And one of them shone through all of that. We realized that here was a key guy, a, a guy by the name of Flantla Mazuboko. And Flantla, uh, two years ago, we effectively, um, in, in terms of organizing and running the, in, in the nation, uh, we handed it over, and they then we came in by invitation rather than by us setting it all up. And so the nation had matured, the leaders were strong, a good core group there. And then, of course, we had lockdown. And so in those early days, we wanted to send Slantler then on team training. But on Monday, he was here, uh, coming to sit under tie and to be part of the team training, to come onto this uh, translocal team. And uh, so Swaziland effectively is independent, and we come in now by invitation, rather than setting the thing up ourselves. And Slantler here today. I wonder if he wouldn't mind just standing for a second, Slantler. Wherever you are, there he is here. But, and if we could maybe just for, a, just for a, a, a second or two, just unite our hearts with him. His wife has got cancer. She's not here with him. She's just coming out of chemo today, being, coming out of hospital. And uh, I just, we just want to pray for Pinky, Clancy. We want to lift her up. You stand proxy for her. Stand up, please. And let us just knit our hearts together as one and pray for them. Father, we just want to thank you for this couple. We want to thank you for all of those guys in the nation, Lord, that you've raised up, and that nation has matured now. But Father, we lift Pinky up before you. We pray for her, Father. We pray, Lord, that you would touch her body, that you would strengthen her. Lord, that you breathe life into her, Father God, that this woman may stand together with her husband in serving you. So we lift her up today, Father. We ask, Lord, that that cancer, the curse of cancer, would be broken in her life in the name of Jesus. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Thank, thank you so much. I'd just like to end to honor a particular couple in the low felt. Uh, Tim and Cheryl, where are you? There they are. Would you guys mind standing? Uh, Tim, I don't know, is it, how long were you in the low felt? 19? 20. 20 years they led the church in Barberton, and uh, we want to honor them. They've handed over their church to Derek and Kaylin, who came up from Johannesburg, or came down from Johannesburg, and uh, incredible faithfulness in the region that uh, this couple has served the Lowfelt so, so well for the kingdom of God. They've connected people, brought people in to fellowship with us in an amazing way, a gifted couple. We want to honor you guys. And uh, they've handed over, and they've moved to KZN, and we really just want to say God bless you 
And uh, may the, the hill country open up for you guys in an amazing way. God bless you. Thank you so much. So, uh, what an awesome day. We're going to stop right over here. I believe we have been sufficiently encouraged. There's still many regions that we can report on, so come in September. <laughs> I want to ask Alan to pray for us. Please stand. Lord God, we, we stand in awe of your faithfulness. And when we consider the works of your hand, one of the greatest is that you would choose us. Lord, out of, out of all the billions of people on this planet, you choose us to draw us near to you for who knows why. And yet in the wonder of your great plan and your great love, you've drawn us close to serve you and to honor your name. And we just want to end this day by just giving you glory and honor. We want to ask, Lord, that by your precious Holy Spirit, Lord, we might become more like you in every way. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen.